0: I think that's everything let's prepare to get into god's god's word i'm i'm uh, i'm nervous this morning and nita knows that it's like and, and i'm nervous because i i sense the holy spirit wants to do something and and, <laughs> and i don't know how to do it uh I, I last was it last week or the week before i we were doing praise and worship and it was wonderful And I just, in my mind, I said, I just can't wait to get up there. Let's get this through so I can get up there. That's a terrible attitude, but God spoke to me. He said, that's because then you're in control. I like to be in control. Don't look at me like that. You do too. (laughs) That's why when we used to have two services, so many of you would come to the first service because you knew it had to end (laughs) by a certain time, so you were in control. And you know that that we couldn't just let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. But we're at a time when we have to be willing to set aside our control. We're at a time, I just ministered this as part of the series on, on the, the, the river of life that God showed Ezekiel uh, by a vision, giving him a hope for Israel while they were, actually Judah, while they were in captivity. But it was also a sign to the church. It was talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've already seen that in the book of Acts, but there's a latter rain, there's a latter outpouring before the great harvest that we believe that that river speaks to. And wherever that river went, it brought healing and wholeness and deliverance from whatever Satan had bound up. It brought wholeness. But we also saw that that vision describes swamps and pools of water that were by the side where there was no life brought because those waters did not flow. They stay static. And anytime water stays static, I got that out, um, it begins to stagnate and things begin to grow in that that are not healthy. It becomes a, a place for germinating mosquitoes and, and bugs and things that are, that are infectious and that are destructive. And that can happen to a church because I believe that's talking about the church today. So we want to make sure that we are, we are a body of believers that is willing to flow with what the Spirit of God wants to do. And that means we need to be willing to change, face things, let, let our, our, our boundaries and limitations go. I'm not talking about crazy things, but allow the Spirit of God to have his way among us. And not just here in church, in our lives, at home things that we build into our life that are so regimented and scheduled. We like those things because they make us feel safe and secure. But sometimes we feel safe and secure from God because we don't want God meddling in things in our life. So that's what we've been talking about. And we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did a message several weeks ago entitled, Where's the Beef? Referring back to that Wendy's commercial of 1982 where these three ladies come up to the counter for the they're one of their competitors, probably McDonald's or Burger King, and they get this big juicy looking bun. And it looks like it's gonna be a great meal until one of them opens it up and there's this little hamburger patty inside. And this little old lady says, Where's the beef? And the church is like that today. With this nice big bun, we look nice and you can there are many churches that are enormous and growing and they're large and they look great on the outside, but where's the power? Where's the power the Bible talks about? Paul says, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. And he could have. But I came to you that I may know Christ and Christ crucified only. And I came to you in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. And the question is, where is that today in the church? Where when we have situations like we've just prayed about, we ought to see results. We ought to see answers we ought to see marriages healed, we ought to see people healed, we ought to see addictions broken off of people's lives, because that's what the power of the Spirit is all about. So that's what we've been looking at, but I've been aware as, I, as we've done this that, that, that there's a step before that, and we're going to talk about, about that today. So to do that, we're going to talk about today about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to start with Jesus himself. Luke chapter 1. Let's pray before we do that. Father, we just look to you for the Holy Spirit. To just take charge. And I surrender as best I know how. My plans, my thinking, my organization, my words, my heart. And we surrender as best we know how. Our hearts to be open and sensitive and tender and willing to allow you to show us whatever we need to see. To hear whatever we need to hear. That we will be willing to do whatever you call us to do, and for that, as always, we rely upon the precious Holy Spirit to minister in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, this is, Luke has a wonderful story about Jesus, he was a, he was a, um, wasn't one of the disciples, original disciples, he was a doctor, and he went with his, with his scientific mind, and he interviewed people. He found out the story that was behind it, so there's a lot of more, more detail often in Luke's account than in some of the others. So he's talking here about when the angel Gabriel comes to, to Mary to announce to her that she's been chosen to bear this Messiah in her womb. The, and so she said, he says to her, you know, you, she says, you're going to be the, son, the, what, the mother of the Son of God. And she said, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I've not known a man. And the angel's about to explain to her something that is about as supernatural as it can be. The answer, angel answered and said to her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you." that literally means like a cloud overshadowing you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore also the holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God." So the angel is telling her the way this is going to happen is the spirit of God is going to overshadow you. And by the power of God, he's going to impregnate you with the seed of God. And that's why the son that was born was born with the body of a human, but the spirit of God inside of him. So here Jesus starts out in the very womb with the spirit of God making him alive in his mother's womb. And I don't have time this morning to go off and all the teaching about what all that means. I just want to show you this principle, that Jesus started in the womb. He was born of the Spirit of God. He was conceived of the Spirit of God in his mother's womb. Luke 2.51, they're not going to show us this, said that he had to grow in wisdom and in stature. Now, let's move forward 30 years, and we'll go to Luke chapter 3. These are verses we've seen before, not these. Now, this is at the appointed time. Now, as the people were in expectation, because they'd heard, because John the Baptist had been ministering and been talking about that he had come, he was the forerunner, that, he, that, that, that the prophets talk about, uh, the, the forerunner to the Messiah. So there was a great expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he could be the Christ or not. But John answered, saying to all of them, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but there's one mightier mightier than I that is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loosen. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Remember we studied before, the word baptize is the Greek word which literally means to be immersed in and to absorb what you were immersed into. It was a term that originates for the process of dyeing cloth where you would take the cloth, the white linen or whatever, and you would immerse it into the dye, and the fibers of that linen would absorb the dye, and it would change the nature of the linen. It would still be linen, but it would now be red linen or blue linen, because it had absorbed, and that's what that word baptized means. That's what the word baptized means. Okay, let's go to uh, verse 21. Verse 21, and when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, now first of all, we skip the verses where, where John argues with him. and says, no, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus, says, no, we have to submit to all righteousness. In other words, I'm going, to do, I'm going to operate under the old covenant. And under that covenant, I should be baptized, even though it was a baptism for repentance. And Jesus had nothing to repent of. But he submitted to the process. We talked about Jesus' submission before and that the authority God was able to flow through him was because of his complete submission to God's authority. And here's an example of that. So when the people were baptized, coming to be baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So this is where Jesus now, remember, he's born of the Spirit. So he has God's Spirit in him, but now this is something else. He's now receiving from on high the Holy Spirit to be clothed with the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Luke 4. Oh, excuse me. And Jesus, no, Luke 4 1. Should be before that one. Luke 4 1. There you go. And Je- now this is right after what we just read. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And the next verse says to be tested or tempted by the devil, so here Jesus is described as being filled with the spirit. all right now let 's go to verse fourteen so what 's happened now is the spirit we talked about this several weeks ago. the spirit of God, the very first thing the Holy Spirit does, notice and Jesus is submitted to the spirit, and this first thing the spirit does is lead him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil for 40 days. I don't know if he's tempted the whole 40 days. And Jesus fasts for that 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, when he's hungry, Satan comes and he tempts him with three different temptations. And each one of them is to give Jesus a choice. Now, why would God test his son who hasn't done anything wrong? Because for the first time, God is wearing human flesh. And although his flesh was different than ours, in that his flesh did not have the natural tendency to sin, in case you haven't noticed yet, yours does. Just leave it alone for a while, and it will lead you into trouble. His flesh was born without the, temp- test, the ten- t- tendency to sin, but was capable of it. That's why Hebrew says he was tempted in all ways as you and I were. If he couldn't be tempted, how would, would be no temptation? And so he had to to pass the test that Adam failed. And three different times he chose obedience to God's word over his own ambition and over his own needs. And now it says he returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And the news about him went throughout the surrounding regions. And now... God begins to do His mighty deeds through Jesus because He's not just filled with the Spirit, He's walking in the power of the Spirit. And we've been talking about the power of the Spirit, but I want to go back a step this morning and begin to talk about and minister to this first step. I believe what this teaches us, that there's, there's three levels, there's three di- different levels of the Holy Spirit's ministry in us. The first level is being born of the Spirit. And we just saw Jesus was born, conceived of the Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Next verse. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now, that's a capital S. Understand this, that in the original text, these are all written in uppercase letters. So the translators decide whether it's a capital S for the Holy Spirit or a small s for your spirit. I think the context here is talking about your spirit. So Paul is saying here, he's saying, if you've got the spirit of God in you, then you belong to Christ. All right. Let's go on and look at first in John chapter one. But as many as received him, it's first before that says he came to his own, the Jews, and they didn't receive him. But to as many as received him, how many of you received him? Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, we got a big altar call coming at the end of the service. Aren't you glad God's not watching? Ah, <laughs> uh, he is. As many as received him, to them he gave the right. Now we've been talking about the power of God. That word "right" there is a different word. It's exousia, which talks about the authority or the or the privilege of something. So them, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Next verse, who were born. Talking about not of the blood or the will of the flesh. That's talking about your physical birth nor of the will of man, but born of God. The, the, of there, of God. The Greek word is ek, which means out of. So when you came to Christ and received Christ, you were born out of him. Just like Pastor Chris is our oldest son. He was born out of us. We have three other children that were born out of us. When you received Christ, you were born of God, out of God, just as Jesus was conceived out of God by the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's look at, um, let's look at John chapter three. We're just the basic foundation here. Just Nicodemus comes to him, Nicodemus, and said, um, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now stop there a second. Go back to verse three. The word again there has two meanings. It means a second time, but it also means from above. So Jesus is saying, in order to see or or be in the kingdom of God, it requires a second birth, and that birth must be from above. Okay, keep going. Nicodemus couldn't understand this. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? He's trying to understand a spiritual truth with human reasoning. Verse 4, 5. And Jesus answered and said, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now some, go back there a second. Some people believe that refers to your water baptism. I believe it refers to your physical birth because you're born out of the amniotic water fluid. Uh, he cannot enter the same kingdom of God. So that's to be two births. Now he's going he's to draw this distinction. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So what's what... The part of you that your parents produced is your body. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Keep going. Don't marvel that I said you must be born again. Keep going. The wind blows where it wishes. And what's he talking about here? And we hear the sound of it. We can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the spirit. Stay there a second. He's not talking about when you're born of the spirit, you don't know what you're likely to do. And I've seen people that were kind of like that. They blew over here one day, blew to this church one day, then they blew over to this church another day, then they blew over here. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is you can't see the wind. But you can tell when it's there because the trees move. You can see the effect of it, but you can't see the wind itself. In the same way, you can't see this birth, but you can feel and you can experience and see the fruit of the that's gone into you okay let's go over to um to to uh, john chapter four quickly jesus is here talking to the woman at the well he's he's explaining the same thing to her he answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this physical water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. Now water is often a symbol or representative of the Spirit. So this is referring to being born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God in you as refreshing to you, bringing everlasting life up into you. We talked a few weeks ago in John 7, Jesus says there shall be rivers, rivers of living water flowing out of you while a river flowing out is different than a fountain bubbling up. It's referring to the power of the Holy Spirit for ministry purposes. So here again, this is talking about the new birth. Okay, everybody with me so far? Basic simple teaching. Now let's go back to Luke 4. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. And Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan by the Spirit. So we saw that he is conceived by the Spirit. Just as when you came to Christ, your new person inside of you was conceived in you by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes you a Christian is his life is in you. But Jesus was already had his life in him, but now Jesus, something else happens. He's now filled with the Spirit. He's now filled with the Spirit. What is that all about? Well, you can have a glass of water, a glass that has water in it, and it's a glass of water but you can also but there's room to be filled up so that you can take it back under the faucet or under your pitcher or whatever it is and you can now fill it up so just cuz there's water in it doesn't mean it's filled up that means there's still something else in there called air have you ever have you ever gone to fill your gas tank your car up with gas and you know it's empty and you put the nozzle in and you start it, and about three seconds later, it shuts off. So wait a minute. That was only half a gallon. I know, I know this holds 14 gallons or 16 gallons. What's happened? Because in order for the gasoline to go into the tank, air has to come out so that it can replace it. So there's a little passageway that allows the air to come out so that when the gas comes in, the air comes out. Because if, it's, if, you're still, if you're still, the tank's still filled with air, it can't take very much gas. And the same is true with you. If you're still full of yourself, not much of the Holy Spirit can... He's in there. Because I got a little bit of gas in there. Another example, and those of you that... You've heard me teach this before. When I was... Growing up, my stepfather was a, a lawyer, and, and he was a, um, an, uh, a, a director at one of our local banks. And back then, I don't know what they do now. Back then, in order to, if you opened a new account, they would give you something. Later on, it was like toasters, and you know, but th- this was something much simpler than that. And he would, they, so he would go to a meeting, come home with some of these things, and it was like a piece of flat cardboard they would have the name of the bank on it and, the, you know, the phone number, and, and um, we didn't have, wasn't, you know, websites and all that stuff. It was just a phone number. And, um, which for you younger people, that's how we communicate. It was a physical phone. And I'm old enough to so pick the phone up and tell the operator what number to call. Okay. And so we bring these home. Now, we were kids. I was the oldest of five boys. There were only three or four of us at that point that would know how to do this. And we know what this was. You look at it, you didn't know what it was. So what we would do is we'd take it over and we'd fill the sink up with water and slowly immerse this thing down there. And what would happen is it would start to expand because what it was was a sponge. But all the air was compressed out of it. So actually it was brittle. If you went like this, it would break. So we would lower it into the, into the water and it would gradually, it would begin to expand because it would take absorb kind of like being baptized into something. It would gradually absorb the water, and it would fill out until it was the shape of a sponge. But we knew something about that. We knew that there was still more room for water. So we would take the sponge, and we would squeeze it. We would squeeze it to get all the air out of it, and then we would put it back down in the water, And now when it expanded, there was no air in there. It was all empty and it absorbed the water that it was in. So when we first put it in the water, it was wet. So it changed the appearance of it. It changed its nature into the function of a sponge. But there was much more potential in that. So, when we squeezed all the the air out of it that we could get out of it, immersed it in the water, now there was room for it to absorb more of that water. Now, what it was wet before was filled with water. And we knew it was filled because when you'd pick it up out, it was so filled with water it would begin to drip out of it. Now, we're boys, and we can't just look at this thing dripping. We just have to kind of flip it around a little bit. Because when we did that, guess what would happen? The water that was so filled with water, it came out of it. And I suggest to you that many of us, although we've been wet, there's still so much air in us. And this is why you're going through what you're going God's trying to squeeze out of you You. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Surrender. God's trying to squeeze out of you, you. So when you're going through a difficult time, and you're, why is this happening to me? There's still some of me left. Why is God doing this? To punish me? No, to make room for his presence. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 is that we be filled up with all of the fullness of God. Jesus was now filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. And this is what we're going to talk about today, quickly. Okay. Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Go ahead. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Go ahead. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Keep going. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now notice the distinction. The spirit in you bears witness that you are a child of God. The Greek word there is technon, and that word actually means just a generic offspring. So you could be a child of somebody and don't even know who your father was, but you're that person's child. And there are a lot of people that are child, children of God, but they don't really know their father. So the spirit in you makes you a technon, makes you technically a child of God. But the verse we saw before said, but as many as are led by the spirit, these are the Sons of God. That's a different Greek word. It's the weird word which which implies a mature son who is in a relationship with his father. So those who the Spirit is able to lead are those that are the sons of God, maturing children of God. If you've just got the Spirit in you and come to church, you're technically a child of God but you're not a maturing son or daughter of God yet. You can be, that's your choice. So the question is, why are there so many spirit-filled Christians and so little power? Why are there so many spirit-filled Christians and so little power? Jesus was filled with the Spirit went into the wilderness, was tested and tempted and passed the test, and comes back in the power of the Spirit. Because all temptation to take anything into his own hands had been defeated. Talks about Jesus' return in the power of the Spirit. That word is the Greek word "dynamis," which refers to the power or ability of God. It appears in the New Testament, 121 times. I want to just read a couple of very quick examples. We're getting short on time. And look 4, it says, um, When they were all amazed and spoke among themselves what, the word, what word this was that Jesus spoke, for with great authority, one word, and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. They did what he said because he spoke with power. They're not going to put these up there. And it happened on a certain day that while he was teaching, the Pharisees were gathered together and the power of the Lord was present to heal. That's the same word. In Luke 6, it talks about when multitudes came to touch him and power went out of him and healed them all. Jesus, at one point where a woman with an issue of blood touched him, she said, he stopped and said, who touched me because I perceived power going out of me. And on and on and on, there are many other cases. 120 of them, actually 121 of them. So Peter, when he raised a man in, in Acts three, lame from the, uh, who was lame from his birth, and they, they said, "You know, how did you do that?" He said, "It's not by my piety. It was the power. It was the power of God." But that's that's the Old Testament apostles. That was just for them. But that was just for them as died out. Except the problem with that is there are people that have walked in that power since then. A great evangelist named Charles Finney, second I think it's a second great awakening, up in the New York, New England. He even, was even ministered here in Providence. Many stories about him, but one of them I just read it again this morning in his biography, where he walks into a plant, a, a factory of some kind. It was a, it was a weaving factory, and there's some teenage girls over there working on their loom, and because he had a funny looking face, and they went and they started looking, they started giggling at how at his looks. They were just very superficial. They weren't taking him seriously. And he just walked over, never said a word. The whole time he never said a word. He just kind of walked over towards them and as he got near them, they start shaking. And the next thing you know, they hit the ground and they start crying out for God to save them. He hasn't said a word. Next thing you know, other workers come around and they get on their knees and crying out, God save us, save us, save us. He hasn't said a word. There's such a commotion that the owner comes over. What's going on? And he sees the scene. He says, what they're doing, what this is so much more important than what we're doing. He shut the plant down, brought them into one of the receiving rooms and gave them a meeting. And then we're, then, then, Finney opened his mouth. That's power. That doesn't come just because you speak in tongues. Oh, Lord. Smith Wigglesworth, another one walked in the power of the Spirit. Sitting on a train going somewhere once. She was walking through a train car and there's a priest sitting there. He didn't say a word. As he walks past, the priest falls out. This is the priest. Falls out on the aisle and cries out, man, what, what must I do to get saved? There was a woman on the train. He gets talking to her. She said, I'm on my way to get my knee operated, to get my leg removed because I got gangrene. He just spoke to it. And she gets up and jumps up and down, looks at her leg, it's whole. Gets out of a car, the train when it stops, to pray for somebody on the side. The power of God for this is somebody only less than 100 years ago. Where's the beef today? Where's the beef today? So, what's the importance of each of these levels? Obviously, the Spirit of God inside of you is what's needed to be born again to become a child become a child of God. What's the significance to us of being filled with the Spirit? Well, it's a yielding. It's a yielding of ourselves. It allows access to the Spirit realm. This is why I'm doing this. This is what the sense I have. I really believe God wants to bring us to another dimension of worship. I mentioned a few weeks ago about clapping. I don't want to set a law about it, but there's another dimension of worship that most of us have not touched yet that God, is, God desires. Jesus said to the woman at the well, in John chapter 4, verse 24, she talks about where people worship. He said, My Father longs for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is a spirit. The spirit, spirit realm is another dimension. And because God lives inside of you by a spirit, that dimension is in you. But until you're willing to yield to that dimension in you, we're going to be dominated by our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when we praise God, which is wonderful, we're supposed to praise Him. When we, when we, when we uh, praise God, when we sing thanksgiving, that comes out of our soul. That's a remembrance of what God has done for us. It's an appreciation for who, who God is, and that's wonderful. That's soul, our soul expressing something to God. But there's another dimension of worship, and worship is from spirit to spirit, and some of you, many of you may be watching or listening this morning and you don't understand what I'm talking about. Then it's you I'm talking to. It's you I'm talking to. I'm going to have to skip ahead, folks. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. As it is written, I has not seen... These are talking about our senses here. Your ear is not heard nor is it into the heart of man, that's our soul, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So the things God has done for us, has for us, that our eyes can't see, our senses can't see, and our natural mind cannot grasp. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Why? Because God is a Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God, For no man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man that is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Go ahead. For we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, because man's word is mind to mind, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Years ago, there was a Christian author who went on Larry King or one of these big talk shows to talk about Christ and, and the Spirit of God, and, and he, they made a fool of him. Why? Because they can't understand the spiritual truths that he's trying to communicate. It's like taking your FM radio and trying to get an AM station on it. They, they're different wavelengths. They don't communicate with each other. So worship has to be spirit to spirit. But the yielding, of, we have to yield ourselves to the spirit. I, I, when we were first saved, God gave me a very clear example of this. We were, went to a church church after I got stopped being stubborn and kept us where we were, we went to a church that was half spirit-filled and half did not believe in spirit-filled. See, there are many people that will teach you that I'm spirit-filled because i got the Spirit of God in me. But I find generally when I talk to those people or listen to them, it's all coming out of the mind. It's not a spirit-to-spirit connection. And so... I found, I, I went, Lord, what's the difference here? I can see it in books I read. There's some books I read and it's like, oh, it just something jumps inside of me. And in other books, it goes right into my mind. They're good ideas, they're good teachings, they're good doctrines, but it doesn't strengthen me. It doesn't build me up and down in here. Because so many Christians aren't sensitive to the spirit in them. Because we live so much in our mind and our physical senses. This is why fasting is an important thing. We need to do more of that because fasting quiets your mind down once it gets over the shock <laughs> that it's no longer in control. Okay, I've got to move on. I've got to move on, because we've got to do something. So the next thing I want to deal with, and this is one of the controversial things, is tongues. What about tongues? Don't, don't, don't bother to put it up. In Acts 2, we see that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke in tongues. In fact, the place where they were was filled and when they spoke with other tongues, they burst out of the place where they were, and it created a crowd gathered around them, and they went, what is going on here? This has been something Satan has fought so hard. Why? Because I believe it frustrates him so hard, because he doesn't understand what's being said. I want to just tell you, what this is what, what, my belief. You can argue with it. You can do what you want with it. This is my belief. They all spoke with tongues. It was the evidence that they'd been filled. Why? Because it was a supernatural sign. 1 Corinthians 14.2, you can put that up there. That says that that when we pray in an unknown tongue, we speak mysteries to God. We speak mysteries to God. Why? It's spirit to spirit. What I believe it is, and we're not going to have time to go back and look at the details of that. There you go. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him, however, the Spirit himself speaks mysteries. Later on in that chapter he says, your mind doesn't understand what you're praying. You ever have your mind get in the way when you're trying to pray? This is a God-given communication method that he's given to us that avoids the difficulties of our mind. I believe it's also in Genesis 11, there's a story about man out of his pride decided he was going to build a tower up to heaven, his own way of getting into heaven. And it said they all spoke the same language and they were all in agreement. And God looks down and says, I've got to do something here because they're trying to build, there's a whole teaching of what this all means. He says, the way I'm going to stop them is I'm going to confuse their language so they can't communicate with each other. And Satan caught that device and has used that in marriages and everything else to break our communication. So what happened is when God commu- when they couldn't communicate anymore, they lost their power. So I believe tongues is a reversal of that. Tongues is a reversal of that, but it's a reversal where we're all speaking the same language, not the sounds, but it's a spirit to spirit language. That's that's my view. Okay, I'm just my view. I'll tell you when it's my view. But I will tell you this. James says this. James teaches us in James chapter 3, verse 8. No man can tame the tongue. By the way, the first verse of that says, because of this reason, don't, don't wanna, don't, you don't want to be a, a teacher because you become accountable for what you say. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless God and the Father and church and we walk out in the parking lot and curse the guy who cut me off in traffic, who've been made in the similitude or the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My son, these things ought not to be. I was reading that one day and it dawned on me. What God's saying here is we can't control our tongue. The corollary of that must be if I surrender my tongue, I'm surrendering control. And that leads to my testimony. We were saved. We went back into charismatic renewal. We went to a Catholic charismatic prayer. We weren't Catholic, but the only thing that was happening was a Catholic charismatic prayer meeting where all kinds of wild, strange things were happening. They weren't taught the Word of God. But they had a, they had a, a, a thing called life in the Spirit. We went through that, and it ends with a ceremony where you receive the fullness of the Spirit. Did that. Didn't feel anything. Just did it by faith. We had friends of ours. He was a pastor. We kept talking about all of this, and we would meet once a week, or once, yeah, once a week together. And I'm trying to pray in tongues, and I can't. I'd, just, I'd be alone, and something would bubble up in here, and I would get, and go right back down again. It would bubble up in here, and then get back down again. See, I wasn't letting go of control. One one night I had it. They were all in bed. I just got, I just, this is, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. What's going on here? And the Lord says, show me this picture. He says, you're a sophisticated lawyer. You work in a large State Street law firm. You go to work in a three-piece suit, carry a leather briefcase. You have an image of yourself. And you're sensing things bubbling up in you that sound like baby talk. And it doesn't fit your image. And you're unwilling to let go of the control of your image to allow me the control of your tongue. I said, Lord, I repent. I said, What do I do? He said, You receive it by faith. And I opened my mouth, and an hour and a half later, it's still flowing. And now I wonder can it stop? And, and Acts 2 says, "And they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So I found out I could stop, I could start again, and the spirit would give me utterance. Now I don't know where you are with this today. I don't know whether you've been taught. I just know that one of the most precious things I have is the ability to commune with God when my mind's going south somewhere else when I get distracted when I'm tempted to worry about things, I can be communicating with God, and I'm praying about things I don't even know I'm praying about, but it charges up my battery in here. It makes me more sensitive and aware of the spirit that's on the inside of me and less aware of what's going on in my mind. So our time's late. So here's what I want to do. First of all, if I want, I want, to, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to give you an opportunity to surrender to him. God wants more of you. He wants more of you not to possess you, to make you weird. He wants more of you to possess you with his love for you. He created you, he saved you for himself, and he wants more of you. And I wanna pray for you by faith for you to receive this gift. It's received by faith. But before I do this, I need to ask this question. Is there anyone here that you've never received Christ? That's the first level. You've never received God's spirit. You've never received Christ into your heart as their savior of your soul. You may have been like me, raised in church, believe that Jesus was the son of God. He died to pay for the sins of the world, but you've never received him personally as the one that paid for your sin, and you've never given your life to him to allow him to come to live inside of you. If that's you, I want to pray for you first. If you raise your hand, let me know. The balcony, it's hard to see up there, so wave hard. Maybe you're watching online and you've never made this decision. I want to lead all of us in a prayer right now. If you've never made that decision, all you need to do is mean this as best you can. God will take you where you are. He'll meet you where you are. So pray this with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I call upon you to come into my life as my Savior. And I take my life as it is right now and I put it into your hands to be Lord. Fill me with your spirit that I may live strong for you for the rest of my days. Amen. If you prayed that with me online for the first time, there's a phone number at the bottom of your screen. If you call that number tomorrow morning, someone will answer that phone and want to send to you some free information to give you a better understanding of what you've done today. Tune in next week at the same time. Or better yet, come here and visit us. I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Second thing is, uh, if you're here and you didn't have the courage to raise your hand, I understand. When we dismiss in a few minutes, there's some people over here. I'm going to ask you to come over. We'll give you the same material. But before we close, and I know the hour's late, but this is so important. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. If who I'm talking about right now. You've never had that sense of that dimension in you. God wants you to do it. He wants to give you this dimension. He wants you to give, he wants to fill you with himself as Jesus was. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to ask you to come down here because I'm going to pray for you. You're all filled with the Spirit. You're all just so satisfied. (laughs) Somebody come. Give them a start. Raise your hand. Come on, John. I know it's you. I did this service for you. Just come and stand right here. I know there are many more of you. I know. Yep. Yep. I knew you when I came in. Just up a little closer. It's a gift. It's so God, you can have more of God and He can have more of you. I'm going to need you to sit back a little, just one step back. Just want to wait a minute. I know the hour's late, but this is worth it. You just need to Relax. It's okay. Here. God wants to be able to speak to you in here so it's clear. He wants you to sense His love at another dimension. He loves you so much, He gave everything he had, he gave everything he had. All right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to lay hands on you because that's what they did, and I'm just going to pray over you. And just pray, receive the fullness of the... You're here, you're born again, so the Spirit of God's in you. But you want to release yourself to Him, to experience more of Him. And if you don't feel anything right now, this is done by faith. This is not something you're going to feel... You might feel something, you might not. This is something that's being done by faith. And then I'm going to just pray that God fills you with the Holy Spirit and that you speak with other tongues. And then what I'm going to do is 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 when we're done, I'm going to dismiss them and I'm going to send you with Pastor Michael over here and if you want, they'll minister to you a little more and pray for you a little more, okay? Is that okay? All right, so I want to start here. Oh, God loves you so much. (laughs) You're so precious to him. Father, she's here by faith. Her heart's open. She's here because she desires more of you. So fill her with the Holy Spirit right now. Fill her with the Holy Spirit. From the depths of her heart, right up through her tongue. Fill her with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, you love her so much. Yeah. Just open your heart. Just relax. That's it. Father, in the name of Jesus. Just fill her with the Holy Spirit. Just fill her, fill her, fill her, fill her, fill her, fill her, fill her right now, fill her. Just relax, John. Just relax. This is something he's given you. Father, he's so precious to you. His heart desires so much of you. Yes, move away. (laughs) Move away the cobwebs. In the name of Jesus, receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus that's above every name the gift that God has for you her heart desires all of you just receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus just relax in the name of Jesus receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit she's here desiring to be filled with all of your fullness in Jesus name in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the fullness, his goodness, his love. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearts open, Father. Just fill him. Fill his open heart. Father, fill his open heart. And just relax. Yes, in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus. Our humble heart to he you. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. He wants to He wants to wipe those things away. He wants to wipe those things away, the memories, failures. He wants to wipe the failures away mm-hmm. and fill you with his love. And fill you with his peace. And fill you with his joy drive out all the darkness all of that and fill you with his love and his joy and his peace receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name I'm going to ask you to go with Pastor Michael and he's going to pray over you some more